Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. It is July the 10th, 2023. Let's talk boxing, but first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Well, the Virgil Ortiz situation is about as bad as it could be for a situation that's uncertain. Ortiz has a health condition that has caused him to miss some fights in the past, right? It's debilitating. It's the kind of thing where he feels weak in a sport that rewards the strong, in a sport that, quite frankly, he is strong in. When he's healthy, he doesn't have a full grip on his medical situation. Now, if there's one thing that should terrify, and I mean terrify, betters, it's in having a bet on a fighter who then faints just days before the fight. Right? You want to believe that your guy's in tip-top condition. Now, we know the truth is very different, right? We understand that Larry Holmes now admits that when he came back, he had an attached retina, that he, in fact, wore a contact lens for one of his fights. We know now that Joe Fraser was blind in one eye for some of the biggest fights of not just his career, but the sport, right? The thriller in Manila. Joe Fraser's blind in one eye. By the way, Ali blows up the other eye. That's why Eddie Futch calls the fight before the last round, right? We understand that Tommy Morrison was ill for several fights, right? Several fights before, of course, we all learned that he had HIV. Right, so what I want people to understand here is promoters are in the entertainment business. They want you to buy tickets. They want you to believe that, you know, the fighter's healthy and that this is a hiccup. This is a speed bump and the guy's going to get back in the ring. Understand, Ray Leonard was at the top of his game. The top popular Olympic gold medalist, champion. He suffered an attached retina in his 20s. Folks, he was out of the ring for years, right? The situation with Virgil Ortiz is career-threatening. His next fight was such a competitive fight that before he fainted, I picked his opponent as part of a betting hedge, right? Danny Onis has a share of the belt at 147. If Jaron Ennis wants to prove to us that he's the best of this generation, he's going to have to fight Danny Onis. It's that simple. Now that, according to reports, 
if a rematch happens between Crawford and Spence, it's going to be at 154. Right? Correct me if I'm wrong in the comment section on any of this information because we all know in this sport things are fluid. But just to understand, if Crawford and Spence ultimately leave the division, right, Virgil Ortiz really has bigger concerns than trying to fight Jaron Ennis or Stanionis. Let me also say this too to the fighter. Virgil, if cutting weight had anything to do with you fainting, right, feeling lightheaded, then losing consciousness, you need to listen to your body and you need to leave 147 and move up to 154, right? You take your body for granted and sooner or later, your body's going to start taking you for granted. If I'm looking at a weigh-in and a fighter just looks woozy, that's not good, especially if I have money on the guy. I'm going to think, wow, this, this is not good. Right, understand here, according to reports, Virgil Ortiz faints. He's not looking woozy, folks. He he fainted. Right, that's serious. Let's also talk briefly here about Jamel Charlo fighting Canelo. I need for people to think about Roy Jones for a second, moving up to the heavyweight division. Right back then, whenever we talked about Roy Jones, you just expected the next sentence to be, right, the pound-for-pound best. I mean, that's who Roy Jones was. If you believe somebody else was pound-for-pound, just understand that Roy Jones was in the conversation, right? So when you talked about the pound-for-pound, it's kind of like Terrence Crawford. Right? When you talk about pound for pound and someone mentions Crawford, people nod. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. They understand he's in the conversation. Right? Well, understand, Roy Jones, at his best, went to heavyweight and looked magnificent. Takes the title. Now the question is, what should Jones have done next? You have a 154-pounder here, Jamel Charlo. He's going to go up to 168 to fight Canelo. That's 14 pounds, folks. Charlo in his 30s, right? Yo-yoing and weight, believe it or not, gets harder when you're in your 30s, right? Heavyweights don't care because heavyweights can weigh what they want. Right? The way is really for the fans. It's not regulatory. Right? You show up, they say 260. You know, the guy's going to say, yeah, yeah, that's right. I had dessert. But understand, for Charlo, the weight gain, if he goes to 168, if he doesn't make it to 168, if he has some dessert, has that extra steak, has the bigger portions, if he makes it to 160, For a fight at 168, and if he's too fast, that's a possibility, folks. 
if he moves too well and is too fast for Canelo, like Jones was too fast for John Ruiz. What does Charlo do next? I'm guessing Canelo, who's upset that he didn't get a rematch with Bevo, had rematch language in his contract with Charlo. I haven't read that, but I'm assuming that's the case. Now, if Charlo beats Canelo, if they run it back, that'd be a second fight above 154. If they run it back and Charlo wins again, or let's say either fight is contentious, right? Half the guys at the bar after the fight think one guy won it, the other half think the other guy won it. If they make it a trilogy, do you think Charlo comes back down to 154? I don't. Right, folks, he has money in the bank. What's the biggest hill to climb at 154? Isn't it being undisputed? Charlo has been there and done that. One of the things in life you learn is that they're always young guys. Right, Tim Zhu is calling out Charlo. Okay, good for him. Right, he's a young guy. He wants to prove himself. Nothing wrong with that. There was a time when Charlo, of course, was a young guy himself. He understands it. But understand, there's always going to be a Tim Zhu. Fighters have to decide what's going to happen. Are they going to voluntarily leave the division or leave the sport? Or is it going to be involuntary? Where the sport leaves them on the canvas without a title. Right? The bottom line is we know Jermel's body type because he has a twin brother. Right? That twin brother has been fighting at 160 for years. Right? Once you put on the weight, it's very hard to lose it. Let me ask a question here to YouTube Boxing Nation. Was Roy Jones ever the same after he lost weight to leave the heavyweight division to come back to light heavy? I would say the answer is no. Maybe Roy felt the same. You know what happens. They interview fighters, and the fighter says, hey, the weight just came off. I feel perfect and stuff. Then you're watching the guy. The reflexes aren't the same. The punch resistance isn't the same. Antonio Tarver must have felt that he was fighting two different fighters. Right? He fought Roy before Roy goes to heavy. He fights Roy after Roy comes back from heavy. And he found that that version of Roy couldn't take his punch. So, Jamel Charlo, by agreeing to fight Canelo, in my opinion, has already left the 154-pound weight class especially if he looks good against Canelo.
right? Understand if he shows up and if that fight hangs in the balance, if that fight goes the distance and you're eagerly waiting to hear who won the fight, right? They're announcing the scorecards and you're thinking, wow, you know, who won the fight? If there are people at the bar who are openly saying, hey, I think Jamel won this fight. How could Jamel leave that to come back to a division he's already mastered? Let me say this too. Jamel's good friend, he's really a brother, is Errol Spence. Right? Those two guys, according to reports, are tight. I hope both of those guys, and I understand, both guys have said, hey, it's a business for the right amount of money, I'd fight anyone, right? You and I know that's not true. Right? You're not going to fight Uncle Lamont, whatever they pay you. Right? You're not going to fight your dad, whatever they pay you. The Klitschko brothers. Both had a share of the heavyweight title. You could imagine if there was bad blood between the brothers and they were going to have a fight, that would have been a sellout. Right? Wisely, wisely, both of those guys thought about the day after the fight. Wisely, those guys decided never to fight each other, right? They never went for the money. That would have been, regardless of the paychecks, the most expensive money either of them ever got, right? I'm just telling you, if my father were still alive and if he and I were on a basketball court, I would never win a game. Right, so if I'm Jamel, I'm thinking about that. If Spence beats Crawford, and that's a big if, right? It's the kind of if that has my cat coming out, apparently, right? If Spence ends up being the biggest name opponent that Charlo could face at 154 if Charlo beats Canelo, And for whatever reason, a rematch doesn't happen. And for whatever reason, Charlo decides to come back to a division over which he was the undisputed champion. Right? If I'm Charlo, I would ask myself, spiritually, is this worth it? Right? Let me just say, too, I'm not sure how much it would prove either. Right? Because, let's face it, these guys have been in different weight classes. I would argue the welterweight division the last few years has been tougher than the 154 division. Right? If the guys switched places, regardless of who would win a head-to-head matchup between the two guys, right, would they have the same careers? I'm not sure if the head-to-head between the guys would definitively prove who's better, right? 
the public wants to believe that the rankings actually are scientific. That the champ necessarily would beat all of the top 10 contenders. You and I know that's not the case because styles make fights. Right? You could look at Tyson Fury and say, hey, you know, I think this guy beats most of the top 10 in a round robin. But you could privately think that certain guys in the top 10 would give him a hard time. Right? Gili Zhang. Alexander Usyk. Right? So, let me just say this. Not only is Virgil Ortiz out at 147, as I see it, and we'll see if I'm right here. Right? But I have no idea how a guy could be fainting. A guy could be big for the division. And yet a doctor is going to say, you know what? Why don't we go back to the weight drained existence you were living before, but, you know, you fainted, let's have you go back to that same weight class. No, come on. I think a doctor's going to say, hey, player, your body needs more nutrients. You need more water. You have an underlying medical condition, and it's exacerbated by you being weight drained for a fight, cutting weight for the fight, right? I think Virgil Ortiz, as good as he is, is out at 147. I think Jamel Charlo's going to do much better than expected. I know Tim Bradley sees it differently. Love Tim Bradley's analysis. I just disagree with him here. Right? I think Charlo is going to do much better than expected against Canelo. And when he does, he's going to have a lot to think about. Is there anything left to prove at 154? I would say the answer is no. I would say a fight against his brother, in essence, would just be too spiritually draining to warrant the money, right? Or to warrant any kind of boost in boxing reputation, right? You're going to have the crowd out there that's going to be thinking, wow, how could you fight your brother? Let me tell you, Eddie Futch had Ken Norton sparring with Joe Fraser in the 1970s, right? Joe refused to fight Kenny. Understand, Kenny fought George Foreman. Kenny fought Ali multiple times. Kenny fought Ernie Shavers, right? Kenny fought Jerry Cooney. Kenny never fights Joe because those two sparred, because those two were friends, right? I don't expect Jamel Charlo to fight Errol Spence. Let me say this too. If, as I suspect, Terrence Crawford makes a statement, actually stops Errol Spence, right? I think even there, there's a problem. Because if Jamel Charlo is involved in a series of fights against Canelo at 168, is the public going to buy him losing weight to come back to 154 to fight a guy against whom opponents haven't been able to stay upright for several years?
right? So let's let's grasp all the changes in boxing, right? The end result is, I believe, Crawford and Spence ultimately leave 147, right? Understand, Crawford, if he beats Errol Spence, would become undisputed in two weight classes. That's what's being denied Usyk, by the way, by Tyson Fury right now, refusing to fight him at heavyweight, right? Let's be real. That's what's happening at heavyweight, right? If you're Terrence Crawford and you become undisputed at 147, what's the point in continuing to fight at 147 given that, again, they're always going to be young guys, right? There's Jaron Ennis, there's Stanny Onis, they're tough opponents. They're credible opponents. No question about it. Right? But let's face it. Crawford's in his mid-30s. He's a different generation. He will have proven that he's the best of his generation. Right? That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this YouTube video. You can disagree with me, that's cool. Let's have a discussion on it, right? But I believe that Spence, Crawford are leaving 147. Jamel Charlo is gonna leave 154, right? These are guys who are the best in their weight class, right? Or who at least have been the best. I know the Jaron Ennis crowd is saying, hey player, are you sure they're the best right now? My answer to that is no, I'm not. Right? But they're always going to be young guys. Right? Always. And a guy has to pick when he's going to leave. Right? Let me just say, Josh Taylor was undisputed at 140. I believe his reputation would be bigger if after the Jack Catterall disaster, he then moved on, right? Because according to rumor, he's having a problem with weight. You see that he's taller, thin, looks thin at weigh-ins, right? He fought Teofimo Lopez. He lost to Teofimo, right? Of course, half the crowd believes he lost the Jack Catterall fight. We're not treating him like the undisputed champion he was, right? If I'm Terrence Crawford, if he beats Spence, he's going to be one of the biggest names in the entire sport. He'll get the payday at 154 against Sebastian Fundora, Erickson Lubin, Brian Mendoza, Tim Zhu. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.